Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us, MileHighSports.com. You can reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, I want to tell you about Sasquatch Casino up in Blackhawk. They always have great giveaways. Right now, they are giving away over $17,000 in cash or up to $30,000 towards the lease or a purchase of an applicable vehicle from Omera Ford Grand Prize Drawings. January 22nd and 23rd, you can get final entries every half hour from 10 a.m. until midnight during their daily cash drawings or by redeeming players' points. Head on up to Sasquatch and Wildcard Casino in Blackhawk. How are you, Mace? I'm doing all right. Still feeling great. So, oh, good. Uh, hopefully uh, tomorrow morning I'll uh, test negative and then... I'll be back in studio tomorrow afternoon if that's the case. Okay, so, well, I hope ab- to see you. The abundance of caution, you know, that those are the magic words right now. Well, right? so you know, the person that I came in contact with, as Nolan and Danny and Alex are hearing this for the first time, tested negative. So I'm totally good. Good. Awesome. That's yes. great news. Right. So, With that, time now for the lead. The lead, presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Okay, Mace, uh, you occasionally, I shouldn't say occasionally, you often write articles for thednvr.com. You are very much my number-crunching guru, and uh, you crunch numbers on 76 head coaches who have missed the playoffs during their opening three years on the job. That's exactly where Vic Fangio likely sits right now as he would make it number 77 if indeed the Broncos missed the playoffs. What did those numbers tell you? First of all, most of those coaches did not make it out of year three. You missed the playoffs three times or you're in the case of coaches fired during season three, you're on your way to missing the playoffs and you're gone. 40 of those 76 were dismissed no later than right after their third season. And of those other 36 that made it to a fourth season, fewer than half eventually got their team to the postseason, just 14 of those 36. So even if you come back for a fourth year, odds aren't in your favor that you ever figure it out to be a playoff coach with that with that particular team. And this is something I think the Broncos, when they make their decision, need to think about with Vic Fangio. I don't think they should think about it one bit. I don't think it's even relevant to Vic Fangio, and I'm going to tell you why. But I think there is a similarity between Vic Fangio and almost every single one of these 76 coaches. In the last 10 years, give me the names of some of these coaches, and I'll tell you what they have in common with Vic Fangio. Just give me some names. Names of the coaches that... uh... Didn't make it out of year three or made it to year three, didn't make the playoffs, got fired. Give me some names over the last 10 years, and I'll tell you what they have in common with Vic Fangio. All right, I'll get some names. Uh, Jeff F- Jeff Fisher with the Rams, although he did make it to year five, but missed the playoffs every time. Well, John- I'm talking about a guy who went three years like Vic Fangio, apples to apples. Apples to apples. Yep, apples okay. to apples. Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, who is his quarterback? Matthew Stafford. 
Oh. And a very badly run organization. Right. Very right. poorly run organization mm-hmm. on a lot of levels. Yes. Who else? Uh, Joe Philbin in Miami. Who is his quarterback? Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was nothing in Miami. We both know that. He only excelled when he was with the Titans. Who else? You see my point. At the end of the day, sh- show me a Hall of Fame coach, and I'll show you a Hall of Fame quarterback that played for him, generally yeah. speaking. And is a Hall of Famer walking through the door if the Broncos keep Big Fangio? I have no idea. Yeah. I, I, don't, I have no idea. But you can it's ask more the, likely a Hall of Famer walks through the door if you have someone else who maybe that Hall of Famer wants to play for. Yeah, but that just happens to be a series of circumstances where Aaron Rodgers could demand out, and that rarely happens. Rarely in the NFL do you see quarterbacks demanding to get out. Right. We but don't we don't thing- we don't see that history. So we could call this as much of an aberration as anything and certainly not an outlier. Is Vic Fangio going to become a better game manager by getting to year 4? That's that's the thing. 3 years is usually enough to know what kind of coach you have. Do the Broncos make the playoffs this year with Aaron Rodgers? Yes. So is Vic, Fangio, is Vic Fangio in danger of losing his job if Aaron Rodgers is on this team or Russell Wilson? Depends. And the answer is no. No. Well, it also depends what they do. I mean, if they get it, if they, they're they 7 and 8 right now, yep. say that they're 9 and 6 as a, and they're, they're going to the playoffs, but they're going to finish in second place in the division and they're going to be a, a lower seed. I think if you had Aaron Rodgers on this team this year and you were going 9-6, and six, I don't know that Vic Fangio would be secure. I don't think with this defense the Broncos would be going 9-6 and six with Aaron Rodgers with all the weapons that they have. And, and Aaron Rodgers, by the way, would look at Pat Shermer and say, that playbook over there, just light a match to it because it's my offense. Well, the one thing, though, on this defense is when you dive into per-possession numbers, when you dive into DVOA, it's not as good as it looks on the surface. No, I, you I, probably, I, you'd probably have the defense on the field more. They'd probably, they'd probably be giving up more points. I think we both could agree after 15 games the Broncos would have more than nine wins with Aaron Rodgers with these offensive weapons. I, I, I don't think there's any doubt. And I think we both can agree on that. At the end of the day, when you, when you look at these 76 coaches, not, either they were with an awful organization like the Lions or the Bears. There's some really bad organizations out there that just cannot get out of their own way. Or they don't have quarterbacks. So it sounds like you're arguing to keep McFangio. I'm not arguing at all. I'm just stating a fact that the, these 76 coaches, generally speaking, they all have something with Vic Fangio. They don't make the playoffs for three straight years. I'll, I'll show you a team that really didn't have a quarterback because it's a quarterback league. That's why I said the last 10 years, right? Last That's, 10 years. Yeah, and literally I'm looking at the last the last 10 years, and that only includes – that's 12 coaches, I mean, okay. is, that, is that large enough to have a real sample size? That's why you go back through history. You want well, to get but a, but you but you want to get as broad a sample size, yeah. as you can. And look, I mean, you can go. We can go back through decades. Yes, it's more quarterback centric than it is right now, but the ticket for entry for big success almost always has been having that quarterback. I mean, even you know. Even the Steelers had the steel curtain, but it helped that they had a Hall of Fame quarterback on the other side in the 70s. I won't disagree, but we, we both can agree it was a different game. 
and passing wasn't as much of a premium. Terry Bradshaw back then was not really a passing league. It certainly helped to have Franco Harris. It certainly helped to have two Hall of Fame wide receivers in Lynn Swan and John Stallworth. It certainly helped to have Rocky Blyer. It certainly helped to have a Hall of Fame center in Mike Webster. And then we haven't even talked about the defense yet. What's that? Lynn Swan had been a Hall of Famer without Terry Bradshaw, though. Probably not. I don't know. I mean, because as it was, his his selection was somewhat controversial because he didn't stack up huge numbers. I mean, think he of high, he had big numbers in high leverage situations, but you can't go through any list of all time receiver leading receivers and see Lynn Swan's name. John Stallworth accumulated more and actually did more with other with in his credit was did well with mediocre quarterbacks later in his career, like Mark Malone, for example. He had a big season with Mark Malone throwing in passes. We showed how good John Stallworth was. Right. So uh, th- think about how much better the Steelers could have been if uh, the quarterback got along with the head coach. The two yeah. were at each other's throats pretty much throughout their entire careers together. They were, but they knew that they ultimately, especially from Chuck Knoll's perspective, he knew that he needed – he was smart enough to know that he needed Bradshaw, even though he would drive him up the wall. All I'm saying he knew is, he needed. I, 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 I like the article that you wrote. I respect the article that you wrote, but I disagree with the premise in the sense that show me a, a coach that hasn't made the playoffs three straight years, and I'll show you a team with a marginal to bad quarterback. That's, and I'm not suggesting Vic Fangio should stay, not one bit. I'm just saying it's unfortunate. Same thing with Pat Shermer. I don't think much of him is offensive coordinator at all. You and I could totally agree on that, right? But look at the quarterbacks he's worked with, right? Yeah, he's never. But the, it's interesting to think about that, though, because we were talking. About, I was talking about this this morning. Uh, the name Nathaniel Hackett's come up as a coaching candidate. Of course, he's in Green Bay. Yep. Don't focus on what Nathaniel Hackett did in Green Bay, though. Focus on the fact that in Jacksonville, he had. In back-to-back years, offenses that were ranked 11th and 2nd in the league right. with Blake Bortles throwing passes. I now, agree. Yeah, you had Leonard Fournette, which helped. But still, if you've got the number two offense, you're doing something in this day and age. You're doing something through the air, whereas the highest offense in terms of ranking that Pat Shermer has ever had has been 11th. Oh, so, I, I, I agree. So that, yeah, I and, agree. And, but but that, and ultimately also, Pat Shermer's choice – that's on Vic Fangio. That was Vic's call. Uh, listen again. I, I, I'm not. I'm not defending those guys. I agree with you. You look at a guy like Josh McDaniels, and the lazy analysis is: I oh, spent his whole career with Tom Brady. No, he didn't. He was the offensive coordinator for Matt Castle. He was the offensive coordinator for Jacoby Brissett. He's now currently the offensive coordinator for Mac Jones. So clearly, this guy can do it with multiple different quarterbacks you look at a guy like chuck knoll how great of a coach is he i don't know he never coached for another team he had great talent and he coached them well i'm not suggesting he should not be a hall of famer but he did it with one organization and then when he lost that talent the steelers really weren't the steelers they had some playoff seasons don't get me wrong yeah they they went to a conference championship with mark malone they won a division with cliff stout they won a playoff game with bubby brister i understand oh i listen i'm not doubting chuck knoll what i'm saying is they didn't reach the same level of success but they were competitive the thing is though if you've got a coach who's really worth hanging on to right even if they've got kind of a, a mediocre setup they're able they're capable of making that team 
more than the sum of its parts. We have not seen the evidence that Vic Fangio is capable of making the Denver Broncos even to the sum of their parts. But you know what it help? You know what helps? Chuck Knoll, when he lost Harrison Bradshaw and Swan and Stallworth and Mean Joe Green and Lambert and Donnie Shell and so on and so forth, anybody who walked into that building was meeting a head coach for the first time with cachet and a resume. And instantly, Chuck Knoll got respect for that. So you listened no matter what. Vic Fangio walked in the door as a terrific defensive coordinator, but no chops as a head coach. Once you have that type of reputation as a head coach, people are going to listen at least for a while. I think they've tuned out Pete Carroll, and eventually guys do get tuned out. I understand that. But for Vic Fangio, I'm not defending him. I'm saying he never really had much of a quarterback. Never did. And and that's what I think a lot of those 76 other coaches probably have in common. You put Aaron Rodgers on this team. We're not talking about uh, Vic Fangio possibly losing his job. No way, no way at all. Mm, I don't. Again, the the bar then is is raised for what you consider a successful season. Well, I mean, and we've been talking all year about how Vic Fangio had to make the playoffs in order to correct. consolidate his position for a fourth year, and that is almost certainly not going to happen. I don't know that with George Payton coming in and certainly having his own ideas and his own philosophies that if he'd had Aaron Rodgers, if mere, if the, if they get in the playoffs at merely 10 and seven or 11 and six, and they're one and done, I don't know that that would be enough. It would be, it's a, it's a different landscape. It's complete. At that point, we're having a completely different conversation because the entire terrain looks different. Coming up after the break, fans boo, they cheer, is it wrong if you're a fan to cheer for the Broncos to lose their final two games? Because Mason and I can give you lots of reasons why you don't want the Broncos to win. And you should openly cheer for them to lose. We'll tell you why next. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us at You can reach us on the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Eric Cook at Farmers Insurance, the Cook Insurance Group, focused on people, not policies. Call today at 303-790-8089. That's 303-790-8089. All right, right now, the Broncos have the number 11 pick in this upcoming draft if the season ended today. So with that, Broncos Mace have two games left in the regular season, and I would say you shouldn't want the Broncos to win, even if you're the most diehard fan. We have this argument every year, and I should when I say every year, I mean we've had it over the last five years, right? <laughs> right? A, 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 last five years, we have said... Argument every bad team has. That's right. 
And you hear Broncos fans say, no, I want my team to win. You are so short-sighted over this. It's comical to me. What if you wanted your team, for the sake of argument, to win its final game? Or let's say they had four games left and you wanted them to win out, and they still weren't going to make the playoffs anyway. Let's go back to 2011. Are you telling me you wouldn't have wanted Von Miller? Because I think you would want Von Miller because you did lose all those games because you only won four games that season. Sometimes you have to look at the big picture. When you're out, you're out. But here's the other reason. So losing out might ensure you a better draft pick. Right now they're 11th. They could probably go as high as eight, probably. Yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to even get to eight because right now as high eights, as as high yeah, as but things that, would have to it, fall the right way. I'm that, with you. That's yeah. You've got the thing is eight right now. Eight has ten losses. I understand, is, but we've and seen that's the Chicago, and that's the Chicago Bears. So what you're saying, like the the Broncos, it, it's going to be it's it's going to be it's going to be tough to to get there. Just because you've also got to see what Atlanta do, what you got to move past Atlanta. You've got to move past Washington, which is still uh, not in great shape, but uh, I think is a good bet to go one and one here. So I, I think the goal I, is I, I think nine is what you're thinking here. Nine is where you, is where you think is I okay. Think. We we can haggle over eight. All I'm saying is it's possible, just like it's possible for the Broncos to make the playoffs. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm just saying they could possibly move as high as eight. You're haggling over nine. I'll give you nine. Well, I'm, I'm haggling over it because the thing is, for them to – what you're relying on is the Jets, the Panthers, or the Giants to both win to win two games. Either way. If you want to go that's, nine, that's, that's fine. Why I'm, I mean, I can't I, I believe think, we're arguing well, over a well, draft no, I, slot. You get my point, don't you? I get your point. I get your point. I just don't want to give people false hope that oh, they could get to eight or seven. The chances of that are. I never said. I never said seven. If, and and false hope is putting out a tweet today that somebody did in the Broncos organization. The Broncos still have a chance to make the playoffs. That's false hope. Well, technically, it's true, but it's it's very much like in Dumb and Dumber. It's not one in a million, but it literally is about one in a thousand. Okay. So you're saying there's a chance. With that, you lose out. A lot of good things could potentially happen. Instead of the 11th pick, you get the ninth pick. What does that mean? If you have to be in the market for a quarterback in the draft, you have more capital to move up. Because now you have the ninth pick instead of the 11th pick. Also, if you want to trade for Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, the ninth pick looks a lot better than the 11th pick. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so so with that, are you a bad fan if you're rooting for the Broncos to lose? No, you're a sensible fan. Right. I mean, look, you just you put out there in terms of draft capital. Now, the draft value chart says there's 100 points of difference between pick 11 and pick 9. But the reality is, in terms of trade, in terms of how these trades are executed, especially regarding top ten picks, it's more like you're basically getting the value of a late second round pick at minimum if you go from eleven to nine, and then and then it's not just that you can use that to trade for a Russell Wilson or trade for an Aaron Rodgers if those are possible. If you can't go that route and you're going for QB1 in this draft, you might be able to stand pat at nine or you could make a very reasonable trade to, say, pick five 
and get the guy that you want, that you've identified. This is what everybody forgets. You can get the quarterback you want. This is what everybody forgets. Ah, what's two slots? I'll tell you what two slots are. It's two slots in the second round, you move up. Two slots in the third round, you move up. So on and so forth. It's a domino effect. You keep moving up in every single round. I'll make the case. Outside of needing wins to make the playoffs, right? Yeah. This might be, in recent memory, the most consequential final two games in Broncos history. As we look at it right now, with two games to go. Not consequential in terms of winning two games to make the playoffs. I'm saying losing two games to make a ninth pick look more attractive to the Packers or the Seahawks. Right. And it's maybe a visceral thing, but top 10 looks a lot different than pick 12. Right. And you look right right now, the reason the Broncos are 11th, they are tied with five other teams right now at seven and eight. The Broncos are number two in strength of schedule. The weaker your strength of schedule, the better you are in terms of draft posi- draft positioning. So right now, Atlanta, seven and eight, still picks ahead of them. But if you lose a couple and say, let's say Atlanta goes 500, you lose a couple of games and Washington wins one of two. That's how you get to pick nine because you win the tiebreaker with Washington as well. So, and the di- and the difference again, it's just if you're talking about pick nine versus pick thirteen, you're more likely to get a team to return your call when you're talking about pick nine. It's one of the reasons why last year, as happy as you are with Pat Sertan and how he's doing, uh, it was an opportunity if you wanted to get a quarterback to move up, or it did represent an opportunity if you moved down to get a future first round pick. And that was, you know, you can't argue with Pat Sertan. But unfortunately for the Broncos, the QB need is still out there. By the way, you talk about the impact of late season games, right? Last year, if the Broncos had lost to the Panthers, the game where they just barely held on by the skin of their teeth. Who'd they beat again in that game? Carolina Panthers. Yeah, but who was the quarterback of that team? Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. All right. Broncos beat the Panthers 32-27. Kind of a crazy game. Locke had had uh, had some big plays. He also had he also had the fumble. Broncos uh the, the Broncos take a huge lead. Panthers come storming back, have a chance to drive to a win at the end. The Broncos hang on, and that means they pick ninth. Well, the thing the thing is, if the Broncos if the Broncos lose that game. And go four and twelve instead of five and eleven, they go all the way up to pick number five. Yep. What do you think their might their strategy might have been at pick five? They could have moved up to maybe get a Trey Lance. Perhaps. And we know how much they like Trey Lance. Right. Well, how about two years ago when Shelby Harris batted down what? Was that two point conversion? Yes. They, they would have jumped how many spots? You, I'm sure you know it off the top of your head. I don't. But I they remember it was they, significant. They would have jumped five spots. But the funny thing is, I'm not sure it would have changed who they picked. You mean Jerry Judy? Jerry Judy was their wide receiver one. Yeah. That, the, the, that, was, that, that was kind of a unicorn draft where 
it felt like Judy was their wide receiver one, and then they saw the Raiders take Henry Ruggs, and that basically set the Broncos up to get the guy that they had targeted. Now, you go to 2021, like it, it, it's a different circumstance. Going from five to three, uh, which is what it would which is what it would have taken to move up and uh, and get Trey Lance. Look. I would not at all be surprised if it had been the Broncos making that deal rather than the 49ers. And one of the, re- the things the Broncos could have had as a trump card in that deal is a higher pick to offer in that trade right? with the Miami Dolphins. Coming up after the break, does Vic Fangio have a double standard with his quarterbacks? Because when Drew Locke plays, tends to be a little bit more critical. When Teddy plays, and he plays the same way Drew did, He's not as harsh. So is there a double standard with Vic Fangio? That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive, Goodman, Mason. Watch us, smileisports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Matt Eric, Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. Time now for What's Trending. What's Trending is presented by Optimum Golf. Take your game to the next level this offseason at Denver's best indoor virtual facility in the Park Hill and Rhino neighborhoods. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. Andrew, yesterday you had a really good question to Vic Fangio asking him about what he thought of Drew Locke's performance uh, on Sunday, specifically in light of what Fangio noted about the offensive line, which obviously affected the running game. Yeah, anytime you lose your running game, especially for us, that's what we've done best this year, uh, makes it harder on the quarterback. There's no doubt about that. And I think it's hard to... um, you know, give a great assessment of Drew's play yesterday because as a whole, offensively, we just didn't play good enough. And um, it makes it hard to assess the quarterback position. You know, I thought he made some good throws. Um, We had a chance on some of them. We didn't quite make them. But, um, you know, I wasn't terribly disappointed in his performance either. Obviously, it could be better. Okay, with that, three weeks earlier against the Chiefs when Bridgewater was picked off twice, one on a tip drill, and the Broncos scored only nine points, Fangio said this about Teddy Bridgewater. I thought Teddy did a lot of good things. We as a team did not do enough. Does it feel like there's a little bit of a double standard between the two quarterbacks? A little, yeah. I mean, I I know that uh, one thing that Fangio said after the game Sunday he said it was basic. Basically, it's hard to uh, point out good things on the offense when uh, it had 158 yards. And that game against Kansas City it had over it had over 400 yards. But I mean, one thing that I think we can say though is that even though it was kind of a pared down attack that the Broncos ran on Sunday, Drew Locke by and large did his job. If you're going through a list of the problems on the offense, Drew Locke doesn't come in the top in the top several. 
problems on, of, of the offense in that game. And if we're being fair, according to the stats, he was pressured 52% of the time. According right. to Pro Football Focus, if you believe that, he was a top five quarterback, you know, in the league that week. Although, let's be honest, outside of Joe Burrow, there weren't a lot of fantastic performances overall by the quarterbacks. Here's yeah, the- I think that one, though, like, we're, that I think we can look at and say that was that's an outlier of a ranking because. Yeah. Very you look much at some so. other things like EPA expected points added per play. He's, I think he was 26th. Completion percentage over expected, 18th. ESPN QBR, 18th. So I think on on, on balance, Locke had not a not a fantastic day, but he didn't have a bad day. He had a he had a fine day. He had an okay day. Here's the thing, okay, and this is what bothers me. Not you, May. So I, I don't want you to take what I'm about to say personally because you're going to think when I use this phrase you're going to think I'm talking about you I'm not are you going after the number crunchers like Pat Shermer does yes <laughs> I, I am I'm going I'm going up against I, I'm making a comment towards stat geeks and here's the reason why how good is the Broncos defense well look at their DVOA you can always find a stat to make your argument always or almost always Give me a stat, I'll give you a counter stat. It's like wrestling. For every move, there's a counter move. At the end of the day, the Broncos' defense overall has been very, very good this year. Not good, very good this year. But we can say maybe not. Maybe they're lower third because of their DVOA. And then we talk about Drew Locke and pro football focus, right? He had it was like 85% or 86%. He was top five. The Broncos scored three points with that offense. That's what they did. Their defense scored 10. The offense legitimately scored three. And while the quarterback does get too much of the praise, he also gets too much of the blame, and I understand that. Pat Shermer didn't help with his uncreative play design. And when Here, you know what uncreative play design becomes? An uncreative game plan. If your play design is putting different colors on the palette, like blue, green, and orange, as opposed to Bob Ross that puts on phalo blue and alizarin crimson and titanium white, nicer, brighter, better colors. When you put on marginal colors, you're going to get, generally speaking, a marginal painting. Pat Shermer didn't help. Drew Locke didn't help. I understand the wide receivers dropped passes. They didn't help. The offensive line didn't help. They didn't scheme well enough to protect Austin Schlottman. I get that. But at the end of the day, Drew Locke was your quarterback. And you know what? If we we want to point to one play, don't tell me about pro football focus when I believe it's third and two and Drew Locke tries to pick up Two yards running sideline to sideline. That wasn't a good play. And Teddy Bridgewater's made plenty of bad plays. And I understand that. But the truth is, I think Vic does have a bias against Drew Locke. I think he has to choke on his tongue and his cud to say a nice word about Drew Locke. With Teddy, yeah, he's a little bit more forgiving. Wouldn't you agree? 
I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think uh, if we're trying to dive into the psychology of this and why Vic Fangio feels that way, I think a lot of it goes back to that Saints game last year. I agree. And I, the quarterback room, their actions and their attempt at subterfuge, let the it really look. It let the entire team down, and I think that's how he views it. That what they did put everybody else in a really bad situation, and from that, look, I can understand why. If that's the rationale, I can understand why it's hard to kind of to rebuild the trust from that. That's that that's something that lingers. That's that's not just uh, being late for a meeting, okay? Because being late for a meeting, you get fined. You're really only screwing yourself. In that case, you screwed the entire, you screwed everyone in that building because of that. And that's and that's why I can think I would think it's hard to get past. And that, but then it that lends to the question: Why was Drew Locke even brought back this year? Well, that's where things happen, kind of up at higher levels. That's John, you know, John Elway. Even though he's not running the day to day, still the president of football operations. He's the guy that drafted Drew Locke. And so Drew Locke, as George Payton noted to Peter King back in August, wanted to give Locke a shot. And that was, I think, more about kind of doing a service to the guy that John Elway drafted than anything else. And so that's just how 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 they were put together. And one thing, just go back to your thing on stats real quick. It's always valuable to take multiple metrics, not just one. Right. It's, it, it's worth noting DVOA on the Broncos defense because that's the one that says it's not as good as it might seem. And that's why I look and say this defense is good, maybe very good, like you say. It's not great. We've seen great defenses no around question. here back in 15 and 16. This is a good to very good defense on balance, taking it all in. Drew Locke, you take everything on in all in on balance. He's he had an average day. You take Teddy Bridgewater, good in some metrics, not good in others. You put them all together. What is he? He's average. But you know what? Some people think he's horrible. But the truth is, he's average. I have no idea what the Broncos DVOA was in 2015. But what I can tell you is, I can't. What I can tell you is. If the Broncos give up less than 35 points to the Chargers, they will have given up fewer points through 16 games than the 2015 team. Now, am I going to argue that this defense is better than the 2015 team? No, I'm not. When you judge defenses, unfortunately, the only true metric that is truly judged is yards given up because that is what a defense can only be measured on, not necessarily points. I mean, look at what happened against the Raiders. The Raiders gave up a one-yard touchdown run, but they gave up six points. So is that really the Raiders' fault? No. Yeah. It's because, I mean, it's because Bradley Chubb, if Bradley Chubb goes one more yard, we're talking about this offense only accounting for six points. But what we still can say is that the offense on Sunday ran one play, one single snap from inside the Las Vegas 30-yard line. Right. Vegas has a bad red zone defense. Well, you didn't have a chance to test it because you weren't even getting in the red zone in the first place, except for Bradley Chubb making a hell of an athletic play and getting within two feet of the goal line. But I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you something else, okay? And I understand that the Broncos only scored nine points against the Chiefs. 
<clears throat> I'm with you on that. Although it really is six more legitimate points that they got in that game than they got in the Raiders game. And that's a very good defense that they did that against, whereas the Raiders defense is not most of this season has yeah. been bad. And But something else. Fangio walked away from that loss feeling probably – we didn't beat the Chiefs again, but we did hold him to 22 points. He was asked about Bridgewater after the game, so it's a, you know, you have 10 minutes to cool down, and then you're not looking at game tape. You're only looking at a stat sheet, okay? When you look at the Broncos' offense overall, they didn't throw the ball well against the Raiders. They didn't catch the ball well against the Raiders, and they sure as hell didn't run the ball well against the Raiders, at least against the Chiefs. They ran for 154 yards on the ground. By any metric, that's a great day on the ground. So you have Fangio looking at that stat sheet probably uh, for the first time within a matter of minutes before stepping in that podium. He looks at that and says, well, Teddy wasn't awful. He did pass for 257 yards. One of those picks was a tip. So he really had a touchdown and an interception. We ran for... 154 yards. Yes, we. I wish we would have won the game, but it, but there were some positives to take out of it. In the Raiders' loss, offensively, there isn't one positive you could have taken out of that game for the offense. Not one. In the Chiefs' game, there was there were some positives. There were no positives for the Broncos' offense against the Raiders. None. Except, I mean, really, the only positive you can you have to get the stretch. You have to say something like, well, they had their longest pass play to a wide receiver since the Cowboy game. Well, yeah, that really is a stretch. Yeah, that's what I mean. You, you, can't, get, you can't get there to talk positives about the offense without some significant mental gymnastics. Right. What do we have coming up on Mountain High Appliance, just in case you missed it? The only Colorado school in a bowl game wrapped up their season this afternoon. Also, with all the talk about coaching in this first hour, which NFL coach's absence for a game would uh, make the biggest impact? We've seen a lot of coaches hit the COVID list and another one today. So which coach's absence would, uh, greatly, would most greatly impact his team for a regular season game? That's coming up next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. On Mile High Sports. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason. Presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. SmileEyeSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for a wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Greenfield's Pool and Sports Bar in Lakewood. Greenfield's has everything under one roof, including the best happy hour in town. Two for one wine, well, and drafts from 3 until 7 p.m. Just in case you missed it. 
presented by Mountain High Appliance, Colorado's favorite appliance store for 25 years in Louisville, Colorado Springs, and now open in their new store in Littleton. Go to mountainhighappliance.com. Just in case you missed it, only one Colorado college in a bowl game this year, and that was the Air Force Falcons 10-3. In the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl, Air Force just finished up against Louisville, and they won 31-28. to An uncharacteristic day for the Falcons. They were uh, big through the air today. Hazik Daniels, 9 of 10 for 252 yards passing. So not something they do a lot, but they also threw the ball a good amount against Army. Troy Calhoun, 15-year coach of the Air Force Falcons. He is now gone to 11 bowl games in that time and he's six and five in those bowl games 110 and 75 overall do you think calhoun needs to be discussed more often when uh open college head coaching jobs come about well he got discussed for a while and was really close to taking some jobs uh back you go back a, a decade or a little bit less than a decade and he ultimately pa- passed on them so i think he went through the dalliance enough times and then said no to where if you do that often enough, they stop knocking at your door. And that's kind of what happened uh, for Calhoun. And uh, I mean, he, he may well coach out his career at Air Force. He does. He does kind of come across as somebody who's a lifer. He went to the academy in the 80s and then served in the Air Force after that. He So he he's the kind of guy that you could see just at this point sticking around because he's had chances to leave. And he said no every time he had the chance to leave. Yeah, I would agree. I remember when he was mentioned for the Broncos job more than a few times. Right. Broncos connections. But, you know, when you've been in a place that long and he probably Mm -hmm. understands the culture, gets the culture, you need to have a certain mindset to be part of that culture, he might just be comfortable there. Yeah. I mean, and there's something to be said for kind of understanding what you are and understanding that you're – that you're in, you're in the right place. It's the best. I mean, they are the best program football program in, Co- in Colorado right now. Um, I think it would take something really special and really unexpected for him to leave Air Force at this point. And they can just and the thing is, they just keep lobbing up one nine or ten win season after another, very quietly, just doing their doing their thing, continuing to, su- to succeed. They were ranked a couple of years ago. They might sneak in the polls here at the end of this season. I mean. It's a great program. I just I just wish that more people would go see the games in person. Their attendance is terrible. Definitely a mainstay in that Air Force Academy community. And yeah, like you said, they they beat CSU every year, and uh, they beat CU when the two played up in Boulder a couple of years ago. So and and they're going to play down at the academy next year, which is going to be a huge game. That will be an exciting one. Just in case you missed it, Bruce Arians has tested positive for COVID-19. Which NFL head coach? We've seen a couple of them miss miss time this year on the COVID list. Kevin Stefanski, um, Bruce Arians looks like he will be the next one. Which head coach would be the most missed by his team if he's unavailable to coach for a regular season game? Belichick. Yeah. I don't want Josh McDaniels anywhere near the steering wheel. Yeah, I mean, it's do Belichick. your job. Yeah, it, it's Belichick or it's a coach that is heavily involved in play calling, but is like successful. Like, I think the Chiefs would really miss Andy. Reed. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's because a great he's point. Because also the plate caller on offense. Oh, no, no, no. Come on. Eric Bieniemy is the offensive coordinator. He should be up for a lot of jobs. Look at that Chiefs offense. I swear I saw his name come across my timeline today. Hey, no, it did because it came across mine. Eric okay. Bieniemy would be a great head coach for the Broncos. No, he wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. That, that is not happening. I don't know if it's going to be happening no, this year. It's not happening. I'll tell you, I, I saw some lists for head coaches. I was very surprised not to see Vance Joseph on lists because I can tell you right now, I think he's going to be a head coach next year somewhere. Yeah, I, I wonder if he's if his name has gotten caught up in the fact the Cardinals have faded down the stretch. Maybe. I think that I, I think when they were looking like they were gonna roar to the number one seed in the NFC, hot name. Now the Cardinals are really stumbling into the postseason. They're probably still gonna make it, but they're certainly sliding both offensively and defensively. And so that's the kind of thing that all of a sudden means your name isn't uh, isn't going to be talked about in the same way. He he was a hot name a couple of months ago. Maybe now not so much. But uh, I do agree. It may not happen this off season, but I think he'll he will get another shot at some point. And we'll and and we'll see we'll see what he's learned from the last job. Hopefully hopefully he'll be a better game manager than he was here in Denver. Didn't have the quarterback. We know that. But there were things within his control that he could have done better. Well, speaking of head coaching openings, ESPN ranks seven possible head coaching vacancies this offseason. They have the Broncos on that list. Do they have the Broncos as desirable enough as being number one or as non desirable as number seven? We'll let you know next. Yahoo! Werewolves of London. 